Welcome on into another edition of the award-winning, award-nominated, I don't know, it's on iTunes. That's really all you need to know. I think a bigger achievement is not getting a complaint from the FCC on our live show last Friday. This is Sports Voice After Dark. I'm your host for this week, Austin Miller. That, of course, was your producer, Amit Malik. Uh, Yes, this show was on the actual radio last weekend. And somehow the FCC didn't find out about it. So we are back, <laughs> folks. We're still here. Uh, the FCC probably hasn't listened to our radio station in a real long time. And had they listened, probably a pretty good chance we're not here. I'm also joined this week by first-time SFAD host Roger Wu. How you doing, Roger? I'm doing very well. And it's my first time here at Sports Voice at the door. And I'm ready to go in. I'm pumped that you are here. I'm very excited that you are a part of this. Um, I am a bit sorry for you, though. Not because of the beatdown I'm going to give you in lightning round, but because the first thing you're ever going to talk about on Sports Voice After Dark is Purdue football. Uh, Apologies. Seriously. Apologies. Um, We are going to talk about Purdue football. They played Northwestern. Uh, Yikes. Sorry, Purdue. Well, I guess not sorry, Purdue. You had this coming. Uh, Purdue was up 10-0. I was feeling very good about my pick of Purdue as an upset special. And then things went off the rails, literally, for the Boilermakers. So, Roger, what went right for Northwestern? Let's not focus in on Purdue, because why? What went right for Northwestern against Purdue? I would say ground offense, because, you know, Justin Jackson got 22 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown. And Joe Moulton, the fourth, also um, got over 100 yards. So, ground game, and... Ground, ground game went pretty well, and that means our offensive line played well to create space for the man to run through them. Yeah, and Purdue's not good. Yes. And I was dumb for thinking that <laughs> they could be good. Uh, I mean, they, they've been in games close yeah, in the first half, but they don't have a front seven. They made our offensive line look yes. really good, and our offensive line has had some issues th- this season. Oh, yeah, for and then, obviously, Austin Carr. The man, the myth, the legend. It was interesting. Michael Stern, looking back at the broadcast, said, quote, I thought every Northwestern receiver was Austin Carr. And <laughs> honestly, I can't blame him. It'd be great if every receiver was Austin Carr. So, yeah, Austin Carr has been playing great. He had uh, five catches, and 92, 92 yards, and two touchdowns. And, and that was now, a down game. And yeah, he, he, he didn't even look yes. his best. Yeah. And now he has 12 touchdowns, which, which is a school record. And, well, he's going to break it. Yeah. <laughs> To, to get do you, what, Roger, do you think there's any serious consideration for Carr for the Blitnikoff? Um, I think he's in. I. You think he's into the next round? He made the semifinals. Yes, but and he, he's a, he's a great receiver. He's the be- in my opinion the best receiver in Big Ten. So I mean, you're not it's, wrong. It's so <laughs> hard because like <laughs> stats don't lie, and yeah. the stats say yeah. that Austin Carr is a top tier receiver, but like. I don't know. He's not overtly impressive. And maybe that's just me wanting to constantly be impressed. Mm-hmm. That's judging against he him. He doesn't jump off the tape at you with no. flashy athletic he plays. Just, he just runs an 18-yard out on every single play, and they exactly. always find him. And he always he, he always went through the same place. Like, he he's so effective running a post route or a deep slant route down in the middle of the field. Yeah. And Thorson's always going to find him. And Northwestern's going to keep calling these plays. And it kind of saved Mick McCall's, yes. not, not saved his season because, you know, I think he has pretty good security, but early on, people were calling for Mick McCall, and oh. you're right, he just kept calling the same plays exactly. on third down, and it worked really, really well for him. 
Yeah, and I, it, it, it is a testament to how good Austin Carr is that he's able to do that. That, as you he said, man, it's open, the same yeah. play. Because I am te- I'm willing to give teams benefit of the doubt. They know what's coming. They just can't stop it. And that's what's allowed it yeah. to be so good. Yeah, at first, you know, the first few weeks, I was thinking, all right, maybe they're just not looking at the tape. They're focusing in on Justin Jackson. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about Austin Carr, but... After a while, you realize teams definitely are keying on him, and he's just responding to the challenge. So, moving big picture, because we've already spent, what, like three minutes talking about a game that featured <laughs> Purdue football, and that's three minutes too many. Uh, let's go big picture, Northwestern football, Roger. Um, it's been a weird year for this team. It's a very weird year. They started off poorly, yes. to say the least. And that first month of the year, finishing one and three, I think was a disappointment for everyone yes, involved. Definitely. Then they bounced back and had a strong October. They went three and one, the only loss in a Ohio. very hard fought game against Ohio State. Then November came, and against Wisconsin, they didn't look great. Now they've beaten a Purdue team that they should have beaten. What should be the feeling about this Northwestern season? I think we're good, but definitely not the best. I mean, I think Thorson has found his place in the team. He he has been pretty comfortable out there. Uh, he got four touchdowns this game against Purdue, even though, you know, Purdue defense is not that good. But um, but he's consistently played well. Yes. I think since October, outside of the Wisconsin game, I thought every game and has been it's positive tough for on, on Wisconsin because they took away the run, turned it one-dimensional. Sure, sure, but an elite quarterback who's yeah, in the yeah. discussion of yeah. best quarterback in the Big Ten, regardless of being one-dimensional or not, should still be able to handle yeah. that. yes. Do you, so, this is the team that someone remarked to me. I don't know who, just in passing after one of the games against Purdue, that it's really frustrating because if they had beaten Illinois State and Western Michigan, this is a seven-win team. Seven-three. Do you think they are that good, or as Coach Fitzgerald liked to say, you are what your record is? I think we are actually a pretty good team. I would say a seven-win team would be reasonable. Okay. Yeah, I mean the fo- the first two losses we obviously we did play well, but um yeah from the game against Ohio State and the loss against Wisconsin, I think this team is actually pretty solid against strong opponents. They, yeah, they hung with them. Exactly. They they had the drive in the third quarter. I think the thing that's been frustrating is because they've been so close to seven with team, it's been the small things, the Thorson fumble, yes. the drive against Illinois State, the decision to to kick against Ohio State and the, the final drive, and then the holding penalty on Eric Olsen. And the, the fact fumble. that Matt Micucci has attempted two passes this year mm. as a Yeah, as a on holder. fake kicks. Yeah. The Jack Mitchell such Yeah, it's... The losses are frustrating. So, I don't I don't know if we're, we're, we're a 7-win team that's just missing or that those mistakes are a reflection on the fact that we're just mentally a step short of being that good. So, I think there's a lot of different things that we have to dissect and parse through. Um, with this. So, one, um, Western, I don't think... The loss to Western Michigan is a bad loss. Yeah, Yeah. I think we need to give Western Michigan credit for being a good team. For sure, for sure. Good. Secondly, the Illinois State loss is bad. There's no other way about it. Not only only is it a loss to an FCS team, it's a loss to a real bad FCS team. Amit, pull up what Illinois State has done uh, for the rest of this season and just read it off for our audience. Give me one second. Absolutely. Keep talking, yeah. The Duke game wasn't great. And the Nebraska loss wasn't good. Uh, breaks have gone each way to Northwestern. 
I think the Western Michigan is really the one. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's focus let's focus in here on what is Illinois so State. after beating Northwestern, lost to Eastern Illinois, lost to Indiana State, lost to North Dakota State, lost to Youngstown State. Go Penguins. Beat Southern Illinois, lost to South Dakota, beat South Dakota State, beat Western Illinois, and then beat Missouri State thirty seven. They're on a roll. Hey, they're three on game one streak. They're six and five, so they're above five hundred. But that four game stretch of in conference opponents they lost to is bad. That shows you this team isn't that good. Sorry, Eastern Illinois not in conference. Uh, not this should be yeah, whatever. Yeah. All team whatever. <laughs> whatever. But the thing is, you know, at the beginning of the year you could kind of rationalize because Illinois State made the final last year of the FCS um, against North Dakota State. Carson Wentz, go Bison's. Yes. But um. So I was like, okay, it's kind of respectable. They're a solid team. But then you look at their schedule this year, and you, it does not reflect well on the Wildcats. They dropped a game to a team that lost their opening three conference games in not a good conference. Yeah, and and so, like, I am not willing to forgive that loss. Like, even on your worst day, you should still beat that team that's that poor. This is not North Dakota State that walked into Ryan Field and beat Northwestern. Um but Western Michigan lost. I think Western Michigan turned out to be a very good football team. Northwestern still yes. should have won that game, but, you know, it happens. So it's really hard to make a judgment on this team because it's felt like Northwestern has gotten what they've deserved in every game. Yeah, They've lost the games that they didn't play well enough to win, and they've won the games that they played well enough to win. But Would, would um, you agree with that, Roger? Yeah, but I think instead of looking into the past, we got to look at what the, team's, what, what the team looked like now. I think now they're play- you think they're playing like a seven win team. They're playing like a seven win team. Thorson looks much better than his September self. Jack Mitchell has been kicking field goals <laughs> and making them <laughs> in you know October and November. And well, Austin Carr has always been there. So yeah, I think we're playing like a seven win team, and we should be playing a bowl game. I think so, and I think it's fair to say they're playing like a seven win team. But to to retroactively say that they are, I would I would tend to agree with Austin the fact like, that they is don't there deserve any, they don't deserve to have seven wins. Is there yes. any game that you can point at and say Northwestern played well enough to win and didn't? Well, they but, they yeah, could have won yeah, the Western they Michigan game. They were outplayed and the but they is, got outplayed. Yeah, and as, as Zach Wingrove noted, Western Michigan supporter always reminds me of when I say we could have won. He'll say they still had enough time to drive the ball and they probably would have scored because their defense hadn't been good that right. game. And he brings up a great point. So we didn't, we didn't deserve to win. Illinois State, we played our worst game of the season, didn't deserve to win. Could have won, yeah. but didn't deserve to yeah. win. And the games they've won, it hasn't felt like, wow, Northwestern really dodged with there. I thought they outplayed Iowa at Kennedy sure. Stadium. They outplayed oh, yeah. State for sure. Michigan they, State. Yep, yeah. they were in the Ohio State game. That is really... I think that's maybe a game they should have. The that's unfairest. The one, yeah. I think that's the unfairest result for Northwestern yeah. this year. Is they, they kind of I uh, they did play their best game, and Northwestern hate to say it outplayed them. You don't hate to say it, but yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I don't know if outplayed is the right verb. Sure, but but they, Northwestern put themselves in a position to win that yeah, game, where I definitely. thought that's a fifty-fifty game down the stretch. Um, coming up for the Wildcats, they will take on Minnesota. A huge game. Eight and two, right? Minnesota. Yeah. No, no, no. Seven and three. They lost. Yeah. Seven and three. Whatever. Uh, what do you think is going to be the biggest key in that game for Northwestern? I would say our defense. Because their running back, Ronnie Smith, has over 1,000 yards already. And he got 14 touchdowns. That's a lot in 10 games. Yeah, so, 
And, and it, you know that Minnesota's going to run the football because yes. you know what their other option is? Mitch let, Mid, let, let Mitch Lagner throw the ball. Exactly. You're really going to tell me that you're going to make a cognizant decision? You know what? I'm going to ride Mitch Lagner in this one. <laughs> That, that guy, that guy that threw, threw a 15-yard duck, that guy who once caused play-by-play commentator Ben Gorn to say, Leidner overthrew his man by 30 yards there. You're going to let that guy try to win a game? Minnesota's going to ground and pound, ground and pound Northwestern. It's going to be on the front seven. You hit it spot on, Roger. That's where this game is going to be won and lost. Northwestern's defensive front seven against Minnesota's defensive front seven. But so, I would I'll also say Justin Jackson. He would be very important in this game because last game when Minnesota played um, – I think it's Nebraska. Uh, they allowed no ground offense in the first half. Like, they played so well. But in the and second half, oh. Nebraska got a hundred, a 100 yards, more than 100 yards on the ground. So I just want to figure out how this Minnesota front seven is going to look like and how Justin Jackson is going to try to pound the ball. And the he, he's had a rough go of it the weeks before the per, the Purdue game. And, you know, that thing I think was great for his confidence. That's what... I was saying on the pregame show with Ari Ross, this is a chance for Justin Jackson to get back in form. I don't know too much about Minnesota's front seven. Do you? What should we expect? Do you expect him to have a game? I know it's important for him too. I have no clue because they allowed, like they allowed very little ground game in the first half. Yeah. But they allowed more than a hundred yards in the second half. So, so you I'm don't know. I'm which, confused the ball. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, yeah, right. Which, I mean, which there's Minnesota a lot to be confusing up. about this, Minnesota. This Minnesota team is the type of team where it feels like. They, I feel like they don't beat themselves. No, no, but they also don't really go out and win games. Like, yeah. they just are going to kind of sit back and They're wait for They're kind of like the Baltimore Ravens right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> except Mitch Leidner is not an elite quarterback. <laughs> Can confirm. Um, if it sounds like I have a vendetta against Mitch Leidner, I do. He's bad. I don't think he's good. He's, um, he's not good. No, he's, he's not. not well. For Northwestern, I'm curious to see how the offense does. Um, I thought the offense struggled against Wisconsin. I thought the offense played well against Purdue with the caveat that Purdue. Um, so this is the big game for Northwestern. You have to think that that Illinois game, they should feel pretty secure that that game's in their back pocket as a win. Um, this game against Minnesota, you know, Northwestern's at five wins right now. You look at a seven-win regular season if you can beat Minnesota. Yes. That's maybe not a true success for this team, but it's a good building block for next year when outside of Austin Card, correct me if I'm wrong here a minute, it feels like a lot of the pieces come back next year. Um, for sure. The young, the line, uh, outside of Connor Mahoney, who is a leader, um, you know, Tommy Doles is taking a step. Justin Jackson's a, uh, a senior. Clint Thorson's a sophomore. Their wide receiving core is young, outside of Scanlon, who will be losing. And but, Carr, of course, and as well. Who, which, Carr, who you yeah. mentioned, yeah. Flynn Nagel, chance to make a big leap. Bennett Skrownick, I know a lot of people really like his Charlie athleticism. Fessler. I like Fess, Charlie Fessler's People think Fessler's good. Garrett Dickerson, is he a... Is he a senior? I should that look that up. Right. I should look that up. But um, it feels like they're. This yeah. is a good year to have a good building year. Yes. For yeah, Western. and I think, you know, I I, I should investigate more in the line, but it feels like their their skill positions. Everyone's returning outside of Austin Carr. Now he's a big hole to fill, but. Again, but remember, remember right. what the question was yeah. coming into this year. We had no idea who was going to catch a football. Yeah, exactly. and then Austin. So someone usually steps up. Not yeah. saying that an Austin Car type growth is going to happen, but I think there are players that can pitch yes. in and yeah. make that happen. And Definitely. so much of it depends on Clayton Thorson. No, no matter which way you draw it up, your offense starts and ends with your quarterback, and he's made a huge jump in his sophomore year. He doesn't need to make a huge jump, but he needs to keep improvement. And if he does, which you pencil in a junior growth too. The Wildcats could return to offensive levels of pre-Clayton Thorson, you know. Don't want to throw out 
Trevor Simeon. As as an all-time Northwestern fan, as someone who has unquestionably watched more Northwestern football than you two could ever dream of, (laughs) Brett Bazinet, Dan Persa, C.J. Bechet, these are all names that mean nothing to you guys, but mean something to me. It's when the Northwestern offense had to outscore teams because the defense couldn't do squat. Yeah, that's To get back to that kind of days, except with the defense that can do things, would be exciting. And the goal is to build a strong team on two phases of the football. Last year, the Wildcats were really good, but were one-sided. Their defense, their defense is what won them games. Definitely. We are close. This, this team, despite not having a 10-win season this year, has built upon last year. And they're close to being a two-phase team every year. And that is the goal in the Big Ten, the goal for Fitzgerald staff, the goal for the program. And you can't, be, you can't ask for more than that. It doesn't feel like there are gaping problems with this team. It feels like there were things that could have been executed and, better that caused And their losses. defense, let's all remember, hasn't been mentioned, had the worst of luck this year with the injuries to yeah. Keith Watkins and Matthew Harris and even Kyle Caro missing some games. And Montre Hard and Trey Williams have done a really good job. Very good job. Like, the, the more you look back at it, the more you realize how well they've held yeah. up. Yeah, especially Montre Hardage. Yeah, I like the way he plays. Yeah. He, he already got um, four interceptions this year, and I want to see his improvement next year a lot because he's going to be a very solid cornerback or safety cornerback. Yeah, yeah, cornerback, yeah, yeah. yeah. cornerback for us. It certainly seems someone's like going to have to fill in Godwin's role. That's yeah. tough, and Kyle Carroll. Yeah, but it feels like there's certainly a foundation, and I think finishing this year with a pair of wins in games that are very winnable, even the road trip to Minnesota, I think would be big for this team. And then, of course, to get a bowl win, which has only happened twice in this program's history, would be nice. Let's move on. Uh, It wasn't, believe it or not, there was other college football. Thankfully, there was other college football on this weekend. And yeah, bizarre. Uh, It was a weekend that coming into it, we felt like things would be pretty status quo. Uh, At the top of the college football playoff rankings, they were status quo, at least at the number one position, because Alabama is a machine, and a they continue to be a machine, and they blasted good, Mississippi State. But a very good quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I like the way he plays. And Do you think he's a, a legitimate Heisman candidate? I haven't seen enough, but in my mind, it can only go to one man and one man only, and I, that man is Lamar Jackson. I think so. He, I mean, Jalen Hurts has been good, but compared to Lamar Jackson, who has been so huge for a Louisville offense. He's been he's been unreal. He got 46 touchdowns. What can you say about it? <laughs> That's pretty good, pretty good. Uh, beyond that, though, things went a little wonky. Uh, things went real wonky. <laughs> real wonky. Uh, who was, was Cle- Clemson was number two, Clemson right? was yes. two. So Boston. let's start there. Uh, Clemson decided they were going to lose to Pitt. They were going to score 42 points and still lose the football game. They allowed 43 points. That's crazy. Yeah. Last time they allowed more than 40 points was last year's championship. Yeah. In which they allowed 45 yeah. points to Alabama. So I don't know what's wrong with the defense. Yeah. It, it was a bad performance. It was... As so, and this is another where I can draw from my experience. I grew up in North Carolina. I'm familiar with the ACC, which means I love ACC basketball mm-hmm. and I know ACC football. They Clemsoned. They did what Clemson always does. They put themselves in a good position and then they shoot themselves in the foot with a bad loss. Uh, Michigan on the road at Kinnick Stadium against Iowa. I think a lot of people felt like this could be a game that was dangerous for Michigan. Yes. And Iowa did the job. Five out of Shade, shades of Penn State in 2008, my beloved Nittany Lions, when I was growing up, they were the number three team in the country, went to Iowa, and lost on a game-winning field goal. Yeah. It's it's, just, it's tough to and go in Iowa and get away. Especially when you put that game under the lights. You, that's a frenzied atmosphere. Iowa has had a disappointing season. 
they knew that their season... That, that was their bowl game. It, exactly. They, sure, they're going to go to the Heart of Dallas Bowl and eat some free Zaxby's chicken, but that was their big-time game. It was, we got a team coming in, we can ruin a season. And I don't know that they ruined a season, but they played really I mean, really well. when you're looking back yeah. at the 2016 Iowa Hawkeye season, you're circling that one first. Yeah. Just like we circled Notre Dame two years yep, ago. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the four team, Washington, got handled, really, by USC. But uh, USC is a good team. USC yeah. is a team that started off slowly, one yes. and three, but they've been very strong since then. Uh, so before we move on to where the rankings are currently at, Roger, let's rank those those three upsets. Those are the three that I want to focus on. Uh, Louisville and Wake Forest was just a weird football game, too. Louisville was, I think, down 12-10 going into the fourth yes, quarter. 10. And then they ripped off 34 points. That's like, what Louisville does all sure. the time. Okay. All right. Yeah, sure. Go Cardinals. Um, Ohio State handled a bad Maryland team. Yes, but So let's take these three. Michigan on the road at Iowa. Washington at home with USC. Clemson at home against Pitt. Which of those three is the most shocking? The worst one should be Clemson against yep. Pitt. Yep. They're allowed 40 they're allowed 43 points. Think, think about it. And it's a super weird game for Deshaun Watson. He threw 580 yards, which is ACC record. And then he got three <laughs> touchdowns. But then he got three interceptions. And the last one basically cost them the game. It sounds it sounds like he was playing Madden. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's literally a Madden or an NCAA football stat line. Yeah. Ridiculous stats still turns the ball over three yeah. times. And I, I think I agree with you. Um that was the most shocking of these three. Um, but I think Washington, it wasn't the most shocking, um, but I think Washington is going to hurt the most. I think Clemson yes. is still think, in a position. I, I, knew, I, I had a good feeling about USC. They were a good yeah. team. We felt they were a good team. They crept into the top 25. You want to know what made me feel even better about it? The entirety of the picks competition I'm in was all in on Washington. Really? Yeah. I was all in on Washington. I saw everyone else was all in on Washington. Backed off. Yeah, and I'll I, I'll share my own picks. I was talking to Jason Doro, member of WNUR. He was doing some picks about um, Iowa, Michigan, and I told him Michigan hasn't been tested on the road. Everyone's been saying that, and it's tough to go to Kinnick Stadium. The line was twenty one, was it not? Yes, it was twenty one and a half. Too How many, can too you, many points? You can't be. A, can't give CJ Beathard that many points. <laughs> the, I mean, there you was, can. There was no way that Michigan was going to win by more than twenty one, and then even that. So then. I know I don't think I would necessarily win, but it becomes plausible when, like you said, it's a friendly atmosphere. The defense for Iowa really locked down, and yes. I think we found out a little about Michigan. Now they're not going to really have another chance to prove themselves unless Ohio State slips up. Their season's kind of, kind of lost now. But I think we learned that you know, it's no, there are no easy games in the Big Ten. Jim Harbaugh knows that better than anyone. I think he didn't prepare the right way against against the team he. he I think he mis- misinterpreted yeah. what the Hawkeyes were going to do. Yeah, and so the new college football playoff rankings did come out tonight. Yes. Alabama still yeah. number one. Of course, they're going to be number one for as long as this year goes on. Ohio State jumps up to two. Michigan yeah. in at three. Clemson at Michigan's four. Michigan's still in. Oh, because Michigan's at three. So I'm, I shouldn't have said what I said about Michigan. I don't know. I'm very curious. Ohio State and Michigan at two and three. You've got Penn State lurking at eight. They have two losses. They have that loss to Pitt. Bad loss. It kills them. It kills them. And they also have this Big Ten loss to Michigan, Michigan, right? Yes. So the tiebreakers will work out to where Ohio State would have needed. Ohio State is actually in a hard position because they need Penn State to lose once if the Buckeyes are going to make the Big Ten championship game. What do you make of these rankings? What do you make of where everything's at, Roger? So basically, Ohio State is going to play Michigan. And that game is going to be the game of the year. 
the winner is going to be in the CFB playoffs. And does the loser drop out? I think so. The these rankings are just tentative. I think, I think the loser will drop out. And it's a very interesting question. Think about if the champion of Big Ten, either Penn State or probably Wisconsin, yeah, going to be one of them. That game, yeah. So, yeah. But Does a two-loss Big Ten champion get into the playoff? Wisconsin think, or Penn State? I think State? they don't. It's weird yeah, that yeah. a champion but doesn't. Per- personally, I mean, I think the champion of Pac-12, which may very possibly be Washington, they should represent Pac-12 in college football playoffs. Yeah? I don't so, you think Washington gets another crack at USC in the championship? I think so. That's Colorado's they, a team they, they got to watch out for there still, but, yeah. I think they do. I think it's... I think the college football playoff was designed... To let four conferences have four teams, not to double up. Yeah, and I I really agree with you that the Pac-12 should have a team. The For the issue, love of here's God, the, can here, we get Louisville versus Alabama? Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> here's the issue for me. The issue for me is, what if Ohio State beats Michigan, but they lose the tiebreaker to Penn State, and it's Penn State Wisconsin for the Big Ten title? Does Ohio should Ohio State be penalized for that? They're going to be a one-loss team, but they're not going to have the conference championship. Should the Buckeyes think, make the playoff? Oh, man. That's the question that, that the that's college football playoff question. guys are going to agree with. I think what they'll do is put Ohio State in over Penn State, and it'll be controversial, but I think Ohio State's the better team. Penn State, that loss to Pitt just cannot get you in mm-hmm. the national championship game, and it's going to be really tough for any team with two losses to play in the national championship yes. game, and that just bars Penn State in my head. But, again, we don't know so, what's going to happen. So yeah. does it feel like, Roger, would you say this is a fair assumption, that Alabama's in? I think Alabama could still lose a game and be in. Yes. If they lo- if Alabama were to lose to Auburn, I think they're still well, in. Well, I don't think they're going to lose. I don't either. I don't either. But I think Alabama has is the only team with wiggle room. So Alabama's in, yeah. number one. Number one. Ohio State, Michigan winner, are they in? Yes. In one of the spots? Okay. Yes. I think Do so. we have Clemson or Louisville in another one of those spots? Oh, man, it's hard. I personally love Louisville. I love Lamar Jackson. But, um, of course, you see Clemson ha- ha- having a great team this year. Deshaun Watson has been great. But look at the tough games Clemson has, Clemson has experienced. They play Louisville, and they won because Louisville failed to convert a fourth and goal yeah, on yeah. the one-yard line. And then they play North Carolina. That's a crazy game because North Carolina actually missed the um, – uh, actual an actual yeah. point to send the game into over yeah. overtime and then Clemson won. So it's so hard because so there's there's really that for me there's two things that should go into determining the top four. Who did you lose to and who did you beat? And for Clemson and Louisville, Louisville has the better loss. It's Clemson. But it came to Clemson. It's Clemson. So Clemson con- has this head to head paradox. But you also have to I think take into consideration that Louisville was right in that game. Oh, and yeah, Clemson, yeah. I don't think definitively, like, they won, but they didn't win in such a manner that made it so secure. I don't know. I, it's bonkers. In, in my head, despite Clemson beating Louisville, I want to put Louisville I kind of do, think, too. I think that they deserve it a little more just I because of... T- but I also... The pit loss is worse than the Clemson loss. And I know yes. head-to-head matters, but this college football playoff isn't, like, a standings. Yeah, it's yeah. not, like, an in-conference rankings. Yeah. It's the four best teams in college football. Yeah. So, I think, I think it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I honestly it's, think it's, it's fascinating. It's really fun. It's crazy. I think beyond Alabama and the Ohio State-Michigan winner, it's going to be very interesting yeah, to see it, what happens. And it looks like I Can think Washington if we had to play their it, way back up? Yeah, I don't know. yeah. It looks like right now, if I had to if I had to say it, I'd say it would be Louisville and Washington. Louisville and Washington. 
three and four, but hmm. do you, so are there what other teams can ruin that? I don't think there's U, USC can't make it back, right? No, no, no they have three losses. Yeah, they're it's totally possible. It's you. It, everybody else beyond that has two losses: Wisconsin, well, Penn State, I'm Oklahoma, pull up this Colorado. Right now, the only team that's lurking that has less than two losses is West Virginia at fourteen. That's eight and one, and then of course Western Michigan ten and zero. They're not getting up there. Yeah, yeah the it's really six teams, like we said, and out of Clemson, it's basically between Clemson, Louisville, and Washington. Washington. And Michigan, right? Yeah, and it's it's gonna get re- what would make it. Oh, sorry, re- Michigan, Ohio State. Yep. Clemson, Louisville, and Washington. As long as Washington doesn't doesn't mess it up. But what if Washington just yep. just like tanks? Then who wins the bowl game? Uh, sorry, the Pac-12 championship game. It's USC. Does one of do does the, either the ACC or the Big Ten send two teams? I think so. And that's so scenario. if Washington that's, doesn't that's make it happen. in. Who is it? The loser of the Big Ten title game? Or the worst of Louisville-Clemson? But personally, I think Louisville and Clemson. Both would get in over the loser of the... Yes. Okay. I don't know, man. Because, well, it's a paradox already. Wisconsin has a 24 chance to make the playoff. I would... If they win out... I I would rather have Penn State in with Wisconsin. It's a two-loss team. Yeah. And that's the thing. What if it gets to a scenario in which all these teams get two losses? That throws this whole like that would be very different. It's I think it's it's fascinating. And this is this is what makes the playoff so interesting is that these discussions can happen. When it's one two, the discussion I guess is for who is two, and that would be honestly very interesting itself. But it's more fun when there's those extra spots. Yeah. Um, As five thirty eight has has it, if Clemson wins out, they have ninety seven percent chance to make the playoff. Hmm. If Louisville wins out and Clemson well, it can happen together. Louisville only has forty one percent chance to win. Hmm. I think for Louisville to make it, if Clemson wins out, they need Washington to lose. So Louisville now yeah. really needs yes, Washington to lose probably. because it's unlikely that Clemson win. That but you Clemson also loses out. you also have to recognize that Washington has two games that are going to be difficult. So they have the yeah. Apple Cup on the road against a yes. good Washington yeah. State team, and then, and then the Pac-12 so, championship game against exactly. so either USC or Colorado. So Louisville doesn't like they're not out. They're not out even, and they're in it right now. But yeah. like, th- like yeah, Ohio State. I and mean, then we all agree that Ohio State Michigan is going to be the game of the year. Game of the year. I just think it's going to be fascinating if Ohio State wins that game but still doesn't go to the Big Ten Championship. Hmm. I could think, I, think State I know Penn State just baby. has to win out. Yeah. I think Ohio State is still in, but uh, it'd just be weird. Penn State has Rutgers, and then who else? Michigan State, rivalry, oh. rivalry-ish game that they okay. should be feeling. Penn State is in the driver's seat. I think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, hey. Philadelphia's Big Ten team versus yeah. New York's Big Ten team. Never Can't slip on that. Yet. Rutgers always can get that I-95 rivalry. Does, does that is the <laughs> perfect note to end our national college football discussion on. Uh, let's move to the third and final segment here before the lightning round. Uh, U.S. men's national team played their biggest World Cup qualifier of the campaign. They started the CONCACAF hexagonal. Six teams, three go directly to the World Cup, four goes into a playoff with a the fifth-placed Asian team. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago beat Bahrain in 2006. Yep. That matters because Trinidad and Tobago are the last team to lose their first two games and then qualify for the World Cup. That is what the U.S. have done. They have lost their first two games to Mexico at home in Columbus. And then, if you're hearing this Wednesday or later this week, on Tuesday night, Costa Rica at the Estadio de Nacional in San Jose laid down an embarrassing 4-0 defeat to Jurgen Klinsmann and the boys. 
hot takes sentiment. So let's. I want to start with the Mexico match. Okay. I want to take. I want to take this one by one, and then we can look at it at a big picture. Um, Wow, I can't. I still can't get over that Costa Rica scored four. Joe Campbell with the brace. Um, So let's start with the Mexico match. Um, As someone who follows Mexican football, pretty. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of the Mexican national team, but because the only cable I get is in Spanish, that is what I follow mostly uh, behind, obviously, South American football. This was a massive, massive, massive result for Mexico. Uh, the Rafa Marquez header killed a lot of demons. It was fitting that it was Rafa who finished it off. Yeah. I think that's big for Mexico. But then Mexico followed that up with a lackluster nil-nil on the road against Panama tonight. Still, Mexico's feeling okay. I th- Not great. It's tough to win on the road in yeah, Central America. Of course. America. Of course. They already and they they got four points from two road matches. They'll like it. They'll take it. It's good enough. Would you like to beat Panama on the road? Sure. But I think Mexico's in an okay spot. United States. The Mexico loss hurt. Mexico was the best team in this hex. The United it was, States. It wasn't a game they had to win, but at home and in terms of statement, prestige, how far have we come? It's been an up and down twenty sixteen. That loss is bad. It yeah. really hurt. And then to follow that up with... This is the worst loss of Klinsman tenure, is it That was going to be my question. I think, how do we feel about, it was Jamaica in the Gold Cup in 15, right? Yeah. Where would we rate this one compared to that loss? The Gold Cup matters, but not as much as this. Like, this is the biggest stage, qualifying for World Cup. I think this This is the second biggest thing to the World Cup in my book, other than like... Not like they have to make a final of the Gold Cup yeah. or a Copa America Centenario final. Like yeah. the World Cup qualifying matters, and this egg that bad of a loss is unacceptable, and they know it. Yeah, I mean it was a close. It wasn't a close game in the first half. I mean Mexico was dominating. They hit the woodwork twice in the first half, but then it seems like the USA found it's yeah, with, they, they with it, it's with them. Yeah, and I'm a I'm a huge stats guy, so look at the stats. Possession, 52 to 40, 48. Shots, 9 to 11. Shots on goal, 5 to 5. It was a pretty balanced game. But um, Mes- Mexico just happened to pull I, it out in the final I minutes. think what happened is Mexico showed their class, their dominance. They are a better squad on paper for the first 45. And Klinsman, bless his soul, decided to go back to the 4-4-2 that he should have been using the entire game. I agree. And the U.S. looked so much better. But then after that goal, it was pretty haphazard. It was... Anything could have happened in that second half. Lots of chances, lots of fouls. Mexico had a few uh, shots that Guzan saved. A lot of fouls in dangerous areas, but they just clipped it out. I thought that game deserved a 1-1 draw, but you can't fault Mexico for winning because they were the better team. If there was a winner from that match, I thought it was Mexico. I thought Mexico was probably kicking themselves at halftime for not to feeling they should have put two, They should have probably put two in in that first half, so 2-1 result seems fair. Let's push on to this Costa Rica match because I got some questions here, Jurgen. Um, you're I down two nil. Questions on the road against Costa Rica. Venegas and Bolaños have put two past you. It's two nil, and your move is to bring on Lyndon Gooch for Christian Pulisic. Really? Take off your best player for a guy literally untested in international waters. For those who don't know, and there's a reason why you don't know. Lyndon Gooch is a 20-year-old defender-slash-midfielder for Sunderland in the Premier League under David Moyes, who has a total of two caps, no, one cap to his name, and that one cap came against New Zealand a month ago in the October friendlies. This man has no experience. 
And unless he's the next coming of Pulisic, why are you getting that? Or is it Julian Green situation? But he's not. Julian Green came from Bayern. Pulisic came from Dortmund. Linda Deutsch came from Sunderland. You had Bedoya on the... Bedoya wasn't fit. You had Sasha Klistan. Is that how you say it? Who he brought in. He, he, to give him credit, he brought in Klistan okay. for Jermaine Jones. But, but he had other... Off- here, here's the unused substitutes list. Alan Gordon, striker. Cameron Carter-Vickers, no. below par he's, center back. Well, below par is an 18-year-old for yeah. Tottenham, yeah. Not, not ready right. for the stage. Michael Orozco for Tijuana would have been a decent assumption. Aaron Johansson, Steve Birnbaum, DeAndre Yedlin. Those are bad options. That's it. His squad was thin, and I think part of it, this is the number one thing. U.S. is very unlucky that Jeff Cameron was not healthy. It really hurt them because he and John Brooks together are strong, and when they don't play together, they're, as we saw, not so good. That's kind of Omar Gonzalez not having time. And also, Klinsman's been playing Timmy Chandler right back. (laughs) Timmy Chandler's fine for Eintracht Frankfurt. But his also next best right-back option is DeAndre Yedlin, who is bad. Play Michael Roscoe, won't you? But the thing is, sorry, I'm just, I'm so mad. Klinsman has such a Eurocentric bias. He loves his German guys. He loves his European guys. Does not favor who he probably could have played in goal, as Austin Miller loves to know, William, William Yarbrough of Lyon, right? Love, yeah. He's a, Michael Orozco is the exact same Michael case. Michael Orozco and Tijuana. That's a team that's rolling Liga Max right now, and you're not going to give him a shot. Um, I I don't think Klinsman is a very good manager, firstly. I don't think he has done a particularly good job of... I don't know. It's not a national team manager's job to develop talent because there's simply not yes. enough time. And that's a U.S. That. thing that they say he should do. It's not his job no, to do. it is not. But I don't think he's done a very good job of trying to find oh my God. players that work. First take I read, was this an unintentional tank job by the players to get Klinsman out? No. No. They no. wanted to win. No. Media. So let's, let's move into this bigger question. Firstly, one word answer from each of you. Roger, should Jurgen Klinsman be fired? I have no clue. I think yes. Yes. Admit, should Roger, should Jurgen Klinsman be fired? I, it's t- you can't fire him. I said one word point. answer. No. Okay. All right. Mm. Now explain. Well, you can't fire him as a no. Sorry, it was four yeah. words, but no. Yeah. I'll explain. Sorry. Bad at responses. This is the second straight time this week that I've told people one word answers, and they go off and spew. Sorry. Now you can. Now you can I'll spew. spew. It's bad. It's so bad, but you can't get rid of a guy in the middle of a hex cycle. Wait till if you want to fire him before the World Cup, go ahead. If you want to fire him after the World Cup, which I think is a great idea, I think I both sides won't want to stick around after twenty eighteen. That's fine. But to fire him now, you have to bring in a guy that doesn't know the player pool, doesn't know what it's like to be an international manager of the United States, where there's a lot of pressure in a weird way. I think it's dangerous, but. Klinsman tonight has sealed his fate. I just don't think it should happen. It, it's got to have... There's got to be enough time. Now, maybe there is enough time. When are the next Hex matches? January? March. March. So maybe now is the time. I don't know. But, again, I like to stick with... Klinsman knows the squad. He might not be the best manager, but you need to let your team have chemistry and the same system. So here is my opinion on this question. You only fire Klinsman if you are legitimately concerned about your ability to make the World Cup. Because hiring a new manager can inject some sort of, you know, excitement and fresh blood into this squad. 
If you are legitimately concerned that this squad as currently constructed under Jurgen Klinsmann will struggle to make the World Cup out of the hex, then you have to let him go. You have to make the World Cup. That is the baseline of success for the United States men's national team right now. Next two matches for the U.S., as I said, in March. They are home to Honduras, away to Panama. Six points four, are right there. Four points or bust, six points are there. Yep. Six points are there. Yeah. If Klinsman comes out of those matches and is not terribly successful, then you are looking at a June where the United States hosts Trinidad and then visits the Azteca. That's where I get worried. Visiting the Azteca is, is just a terrifying prospect after tonight. Yeah. Because... This is another thing. Klinsman is horrible on the road. He has one win in Central America. One win. And this is his second qualifying cycle. That one win is against Panama from the Sam Zussi goal. He is horrible on the road in Central America. And a match that didn't even matter. And you can't be when your job is to pick up points in the hex. And I think it's I think you you hit this spot on in it. Klinsman is an incredibly European-centric manager who is not managing against European-centric teams. When you go on he the road... I don't think he understands how CONCACAF when and you go, work. When you go on the road in Central America, it's not like going on the road in Europe. It's not like playing a Champions League match. You're going to get things thrown at you. You're going to get dodgy refereeing decisions. <laughs> it makes you play worse. You're going to be on a small pitch. You just don't feel comfortable. You, exactly. It is... Comfort is out of the question. That's not how this works. And so to take a manager who reeks of comfort and reeks of opulence in Jurgen Klinsmann, I don't think it's a successful fit. He might be a good World Cup manager because those have a more European-centric type feel. And but he, going on yeah. the road in Central America is tough. And he has not, he clearly has He's, not mastered it. I thought he did a good job in the 2014 World Cup. Mm -hmm. I really thought he did. Yep. The Club America Centenario was okay, but it was all hosted on his soil. The thing with, with Klinsman is he, he just doesn't understand how how hard it is to win the road. He doesn't get the tactics right. And I th I don't think he – I mean, I mean he's a smart manager. We don't know better than Jurgen Klinsman. Let's not – we're armchair analysts. But I think – Calling this chair an armchair is real generous. Sorry. Continue. But I think it's fair to say that Klinsman, like, how much Liga MX is he watching? How not much enough. Does he does he understand the nature of Central American football? Now this is a bold take. Like Klinsman knows his team, I think, but it's a different breed of soccer. Yeah. It's just an entirely different league. Mm -hmm. I've as someone that's tried to learn from Austin Miller tangentially about Brazilian, Argentinian, Mexican soccer, it's a foreign game to me because I am a big fan of English soccer and English soccer is a whirlwind and hyper aggressive and it's a different style of football and he plays the wrong way and and here's the thing that you also have to take into consideration is Klinsman might know these players that are on the Costa Rican roster but Joel Campbell for Arsenal and Joel Campbell for the Costa Rican national team are two different players Kilo Navas for Real Madrid and Kilo Navas for the Costa Rican national team even, are two different even players even Bolaños who he probably knows who plays in the MLS he's sure he does but he doesn't feel like it's a different beast and they play it Dude, they play these tenacious back lines. The three-five-two he saw twice in a row. Uh -huh. It's so hard to beat a three-man back line if you don't do it. And their brand, I think the South American brand, I include Central America in that, is it different fair, than yeah. the three-five-two of Europe, which is kind of the Louis Van Hall prototype, which is totally different. Your center backs do different things. Your wing backs are much more defensive in uh, much more defensive in yeah. South America and Latin America. Yeah, it's it's. 
Roger, do you think that U.S. soccer needs... Uh, so this is, and this is an entire series of podcasts all on its own, and we're running out of time here on this segment, so I want to close with this question. Does U.S. soccer need to be less Eurocentric and more homegrown-centric? In It kind of feels like American soccer wants to be European when it should maybe be more Latin American. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think American soccer should be American. But they have so many players playing overseas. When, when, when you guys are talking about Klingsman, I was thinking about players. I was thinking about how Michael Bradley and Jermaine Jones played in these two games. They just cannot, they just couldn't control the midfield. And in the first in the first game against Mexico, we see some sparks from the connection between Josie Altidore and Bobby Woods. But then in the second game, they just disappeared. So I wonder how these players will do if we switch the style of American football. I think it's tough, and to suggest a shift is impossible. And now I'm biased, and Austin Miller will disagree on this because we are two entirely different soccer fans. I love European soccer. It's my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. English soccer especially, while it's not better than the rest of Europe, is my favorite thing to watch. And I think the U.S. needs to aim, if they want to be one of the top teams in the world, to model itself off of European soccer. But it cannot ignore the elements of Central America and South American soccer that will make it successful in CONCACAF because it cannot go and play in UEFA. Jurgen Klinsmann comes from UEFA. He does not come from CONCACAF. Yeah. They need to recognize the types of play that make you successful. And while the training, I think, should be European-based, you know, I think it wouldn't be bad if they had a, a more American America's focus for this team. But that's a tough question to, to grapple with if you're Sunil Gulati and the yeah. rest of the higher-ups. It's, it's a heavy question. All right, very quickly, last question. If Klinsman were to get the axe, admit who you want to see as the next U.S. men's national team manager. Oh, man. Uh, who's the dude managing Colorado? Rapids. He's young. I don't know. Mike Kreese is available. Would you? So would you like to see them go with an American homegrown type guy rather than trying to bring in an outside talent? For an, for the interim, yeah, because they yeah. I don't know who's available to coach. Uh, I don't know. Bring in Goose Hitting. You know who's available? Goose Hitting. Dunga's available. They, they will not be. Dunga's him. available. I you want not, a manager? You I want the most? Not, you want as I, pragmatic I, of a manager I as you can not, find? If, I, if U.S. ever played the style of Dunga, I would quit supporting yeah, the team. Yeah, yeah. baby. He's How available. did you live with that? Call him. I didn't. It was miserable. <laughs> Call him, Sunil. I bet Dunga picks up real quick. <laughs> How do you, that should be your next how do we get here segment yeah, <laughs> call Dunga <laughs> might Dunga. do that on Sunday night might do that uh, alright it's time for the lightning round man. I'm ready alright so computer is shut no allegations of cheating from Austin here. Miller has been talking the talk about yeah. lightning round Roger Wu this is your first lightning round I don't know if you know what to expect but it's a doozy I know my sports That's there what you go say. that's what you gotta have your faith so the way it works for those who don't know it's ten questions for the both of you the questions increase in difficulty uh, and value. First three questions are easy, worth a point. Next three are medium, worth two points. Next three are hard, worth three points. And the Philly Sports Special is worth four points. In the first set of questions, there's the Land of Donovan question of the week. And the second set of questions, there's the rapper question of the week. Um, it's tough. Uh, we do rock, paper, scissors first to decide who wants to go when. Oh, so Roger goes first. I'll go no, first. You want to go first. Taking the Land of Donovan question, I can confirm with you, Austin Miller, that the Land of Donovan question would have been a 
free three points for you. It will not be three points on your plate. That's disappointing. Let's start My rapper off. knowledge is much less. <laughs> Uh, yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> e- easy question for Roger. Uh, which team lost on a goal line stand Sunday night in a rematch of the 2015 Super Bowl? Pats. That is correct. One point. Next easy question. Who scored 31 points and hit a last second game winner in his return to Oklahoma City on Sunday night? Sergi Blanco. That is correct. Two points. Number three. Can you name one of the managers? Who won the AL or NL Manager of the Year in Major League Baseball? I really have no clue. All right. <laughs> NL was Dave Roberts of the Dodgers. AL was Terry Francona of the Force Team in Cleveland. They lost the blue through one lead. Um, next medium <laughs> question. Uh, who did UConn lose to in their second straight loss to open the college basketball season? Oh, oh in their second loss. They, lost to, Wa- they lost to Wagner on they Friday. They lost to Wagner. That's what I knew. But uh, I know they lost the second game, but... um. Something starts with a C. Not a C. Not a C. It's a cardinal intermediate cardinal direction. <laughs> Jeez. Oh. You kind of lost to. Oh, man. It's all right. We're going to move on. Yeah. It's uh, Northeastern. Northeastern. Oh, man. I knew that. I knew the Wagner one. Yeah, I did not it's know the Wagner one. I knew all these uh, next, next medium question. Which starting running back in the NFL was released today? If you need to take time to think about it, it was a starting running back. That's that's going to be your hint. Christian Michael. That is correct. Uh, so four points now for Roger. Next, this is a question up your alley. Uh, where will college game day be this Saturday, the town mm. or the school? Mm. The town. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> what town? <laughs> you can name the school or the town. <laughs> where will college like, game like day the, be? I like the I like the <laughs> do, you, do you know? It's a it's a team in the top twenty five. Yep. Um, that's you better not give any more hints. That's it. That, that that's is it. all the hints that are deserved here. So either you know or you don't. I have no clue. This is Western Michigan. The Broncos roll the boat. Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah. All right. So still at four points. This is another college football one. I didn't read. This is the, the hard ones, right? These are the hard ones. Oh. Uh, which kicker for Pitt hit the game winning oh. field goal? To help Clemson Great blow it name. on Saturday. I don't know his ah. Uh, I don't know his name. You gave a big oh. hint in there. Uh, the now. question was part of the joke. Do you not know? You had a name. I can't repeat the question. No, no, no! You cannot repeat. Please do. No, which, no, no, no. which kicker for Pitt hit the game-winning okay, field goal right, to yeah. beat Clemson? All right, that's good. That's good. That's fine. The hint was not included in the second go around. I, I don't know his name, but then. I don't know what. It's the okay. Name, His the name, name is Sam Hinkies. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, obviously. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's uh, Chris Blewett because Clemson blew it. Oh. Oh, I'll leave for that one. Next hard one. one. This one's really tough. Uh, which Winnipeg Jet scored the shootout winner over the Kings on Sunday in the NHL? He's on my fantasy hockey team. He's one of the best players on Winnipeg. Not a hockey guy, so I have no clue. Can uh, I take a guess yeah. at this? Uh, Blake Wheeler? Close. I don't even know if it is close, sorry. It's uh, Mark Sheafley. I think that's how you say it. Probably wrong. Landon Donovan, question of the week. Which teammate of Landon Donovan announces departure from the LA Galaxy? This is only hard because not everyone knows MLS. Exactly, I... Don't he, he's a he's an Englishman, and that in itself Come is on. a really big hint. Come on, man! I don't know. The only, the only player I know is David Beckham. Well, he well, used to play for LA Galaxy. Not, it's not David Beckham. 
Matt McHugh would appreciate that guess. <laughs> this is uh, your Steven boy, Gerard. Steven Gerrard of Liverpool. Oh, yeah. I know I know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> Stevie's oh, gone. There's a reason why Austin did not like my hit. It was too much. <laughs> was a very good yeah. hit. Uh, now, well, Philly Sports Special. Well, four, I've been eight, in four years. You have four points. This is for eight points. This is about the Phillies. Which Phillies pitcher accepted his qualifying oh, offer, deciding not to go into free agency? He was the second biggest pitcher in the free agent market if he went on the market, only behind Rich Hill. I have no clue. I Fourth starter for the Phillies. Oh, man. Can you name any starters of the Phillies? I can name. I can't name any starters. I don't know if he was. A, okay, so was it Char- it's not Charlie Morton, right? No, it's the guy who pitched before him. Okay. Oh, it's a, a Jeremy Hellickson. Okay, all right. So all right. he's a guy. I've, I've heard the name. He's I've a heard guy. The, heard the so name. Four, four points. Does before, a, does we, a, before, before we end, I want to shout out to Joel Embiid. Oh yeah. Sports. oh yeah! Oh yeah! He's doing his thing. Okay. Thank you, Roger. Uh, when, you just uh, earned twenty brownie points. <laughs> is is uh, Bestardo? Does he still pitch for the Phillies? No, he's on, he was on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Okay. Um, really I only know Charlie Morton because I went to high school with his cousin. That's Ooh. hilarious. Shout out, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> you're not listening, but right. if you were, you just got to shout so, out. So right, four good, points for Roger. It's okay. First lighting round. You had a tough set. Austin Miller, can you do it? Let's hope so. Who did Conor McGregor defeat in UFC 205 Shit. to? Conor McGregor now holds two yep, UFC yep, titles. Yep, 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 He's yep. a Philadelphian, and he was the answer to the Philly Sports Special on Friday before oh. it, he beat him. Is it Nate Diaz? Close. That was the answer last time. Yeah. This is Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez. Uh, not, yeah. Not, not, not. I was watching right. that game. So so that ca- that's not Canelo, right? No, no, no that's, that's Canelo Alvarez. Alvarez. All right, here's what I know you know. I said that's a hard easy. Who did uh, <laughs> Villanova defeat Monday night in college basketball? Purdue. That is correct. One point for Austin Miller. Uh, which Vikings kicker was released today? Oh, man. Blair Walsh. Two Blair points Blair Walsh. for Austin Miller. On to the mediums. Can you name the AL and NL Rookies of the Year in Major League Baseball? Came up today. Do I have to name both of them? I'll give you a point if you name one. That's fair. That's a ridiculously hard question. Well, no, no, because it was a point for either of the managers. So you get a point if you name either of them. Chris Bryant? Nope. He was not, he a not a rookie. He's, okay. he's going to be the All right, let's guess AL. AL. Uh, Zach Wingrove loves this guy. Great. Jeez, um, I got nothing. Zach Britton. Uh, closer. He was reliever of the year. This is Michael Fulmer uh, and <sighs> for the AL. And Corey Seager for the Dodgers hard. in the NL. Uh, uh, Tough one. All That's right. a hard. Golly, I've had a hard easy and a hard medium. <laughs> Next medium question. Yeah. Which NBA player set career highs in back-to-back games with 36 and 47 points this week. He's young. Yep. That's a hint. Um, is it CJ McCollum? Good guess. Is it Damian Lillard? No. I'm, I'm going to take it. It's fine. Andrew, Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Jeez, all right. These are, these are, right oh, wow. I'm looking at the rest of these, and these are tough. These are typical. <laughs> We're at two right now? Sorry. Yeah. We're at two? Okay. okay. Uh, who, this is, all right. Who did Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks defeat on Sunday? Yep. That team, it was their second regulation loss of the season. They are very high in the NHL yep, standings. The Montreal Canadiens. That is correct. I know the answer so, for that one. But. So four points. Now right, anything just, left will yep. get you Kay. the win. Yeah, but one of these but is going to be a rapper question. So, so here's one you might know. Yep. Which Iowa freshman kicker hit the game-winning field goal at the Sink Michigan on Saturday? All right. Oh. He is a freshman from North Carolina. Keith Duncan. That is correct. I did the Iowa football game. I have well Keith Duncan done. on a spot chart. Well done, Austin Miller. Seven points. Now for... Here's one. This is the one I thought would get you to win. Okay. You might not know it, but you might. Yeah. Uh, which West Bromwich Albion player scored the winner for Ireland over Austria on Saturday in World Cup yep. qualifying? Um, Morrison? No. Close. 
This is uh, James McLean. McLean, okay. Uh, right. A nobody. That's yeah. By any stretch. Yeah, but he plays um, for Ireland and West. He does. So. so tough. All right. And then the rapper question yeah, of the week. <laughs> Players of the University of Louisiana Lafayette were suspended by their coach for making a music video deemed inappropriate to which YG song? <laughs> oh my god. Lil Wayne. No, no, no. The song. Yeah, Lil Wayne. That was the song. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Lil okay. Wayne. So the right. song was expletive Donald Trump. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. They got in trouble. There was backlash from both sides. Not fun. Um, yeah. So so it was not Lil Wayne. It was not Lil Kay. Wayne. Can no. Okay. Now this oh, is the right. Eagles question. I right. know you did a little homework. I did. I, don't I did. You did enough. This was not Ryan Matthews. But okay. George, do you uh, know <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagle who had the game sealing interception against the Falcons on Sunday? Oh, it's man. a cornerback. Malcolm Jenkins. Close. Actually, very close. He's uh, the safety. This is Leotis McKelvin. Uh, all right, so seven points so, uh, for Austin Got the win. Got the I win. Think it was that a, was a real difficult It was a set hard lightning round for both. I, I would have done better with his set. So well I would have done. done better with your set. Yeah. <laughs> it's always what they say. That's what you But YG's music. <laughs> I, I know. He knew. He knew YG. <laughs> so there you have it. Austin Miller, 7-4. Well done, Austin. Thanks, Roger, for joining us. Very That's fun edition of Sports Horse After Dark. Uh, trust the process. Yeah. Uh, the, the athlete of the year bracket will come out eventually. Uh, Dennis next, is going to the next round. Next week. Gosh dang it! I wasted my opportunity. <laughs> we can we can work it out. We could do a road a road sad. Wow, that'd be pretty fun. Dennis is going through just for the record. All right. Well, there you have it. Bold predictions from everyone. Thanks for listening to Sports Sports After.